Hello, how are you listeners? I'm sorry I haven't uh, been recording that many episodes recently. You know, it's the summertime and I took a little hiatus. I figure I needed some time to think. Sorry about any knocking around I'm doing. How are you? We're in the keys. It's uh, in the midst, in the middle of the lobster mini season. And not to be accused of mini lobster seizing, because that means the lobster is a regular size. Actually, there's a size restriction. It has to be a certain length. I don't know because I don't go, but I do know there's a size restriction for it. And I know from Tuesday, Wednesday, is it Tuesday, Wednesday? At midnight, they started, and tonight they end. I think. I th- I'm pretty sure. But it's restricted, so the season is tight. And the weird thing down here in the Keys is that they do, um, the commercial season kicks off after that. So they let just anybody go after the lobsters before. And as I'm told by people, don't worry because the lobsters will be back. They can wipe out the whole population of lobsters down here and there'll be more back because of the peculiar nature of how... They're, the eggs migrate in a circular pattern, which in at least in Florida Bay Area, that there's always going to, no matter if they clean out the lobsters, there's always going to be more lobsters next year. I'm sure there's going to come a time where that's not the case because they always thought, as you, if you're a listener of previous podcasts, Cape Cod was named because of all the cod that they used to catch off the coast of Massachusetts. And now, they're still cod, but the cod fisheries aren't what they once were. As many, many fisheries. So, we're seeing, they, they have a restriction here for, uh, when, when, they, when you catch the lobsters down here, it's these, the Caribbean lobsters, they call them bugs. They don't have claws. I'm going to post a picture of one. I'll post it with the uh, episode here, so it'll be on the cover. And they, they're caught by hand or a bully net. Or you can catch them in, in a trap. But uh, I think the mini season is hand or bully net. There's no traps. You can't have any traps set. You know, I could be 100% wrong on that. But I do know it's not commercial. So, and each person gets six a day. Six regulation lobsters a day. Now, where the abuse comes in hand is people going more than six. And there you go. It's it's the law of averages, I guess. So there's people that abide by the rules. You know, every so often they may take one more, may not pay attention, but they may grab one. But if they grab, people are more likely to grab 12, 15, 20, 30 if they have the opportunity, if they're going to go above the limit. And they really abuse it. They don't abuse it a little. They abuse it a lot. So that's the thing. It's not like... So it really charges up the average. And the people that are abiding say, well, six is the number. I'll stay at six. Well, that drives the average up. I don't know what it is, but I guess it could be like 10, 15. And the way they get around it, because they have spotty enforcement. When I say spotty enforcement, there's just enough. There's some... Florida 
uh, wildlife conservation, I get FWC, whatever that stands for, they go, they're patrolling the waters. The Monroe Sheriff's Department's patrolling waters. I don't know if the state police is also. I don't. I haven't seen any of their boats. But what they'll randomly stop people and check. They'll do a safety check. Ostensibly, ostensibly it's a safety check. I think they stop to see if they have enough uh, uh, life fast and things like that. But then... Because it's lobster season, they'll say, are you catching lobster? Blah, blah, blah. How many people? There's four people on the boat. You should have no more than 24 lobster. And the way people get around it is anytime they get their limit, sometimes they work in tandem with other boats or they take their boat, go to shore, unload the lobster, and then go back out. Because unless they were stopped previously and they counted, I mean, they can't guarantee it was the same, whatever. And that's the way around it, and it's really easy to get around it. And hopefully you're not... The people... I'm not giving anybody new information. The people down here know that already. You're not supposed to go a certain distance within the coastline. You're not supposed to get them in canals, things like that. All those things happen. All those things happen. And people get all... They call them lobster mobsters, the people that you know really abuse this. And... Even though we have tons of people on the water and a lot of people swear, they go, I will never go on the water in a boat or go diving during lobster mini season. Because there's so many people out there doing whatever they can, racing around, dropping off. You know, the, the, the people that are abusing it are racing back to dock sometimes or someone to unload lobsters and go back and get them. So... Uh, I'm not of that same thing. I say, well, you know, either I would not even have a lobster mini season. I don't know why they have it. I mean, I can see, I know why they have it. I mean, they think it's, well, it's a way to encourage people, you know, the, the fruits of our coastline, our nearby waters, and it's good for tourism and blah, 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 blah. Well, it may be good for some hotels and stuff like that, but I can tell you, most certainly, if I'm working in a restaurant, it does not increase sales for most restaurants. People catch the lobsters and stuff like that. The most people that are doing it, especially people that abuse it, they're cooking their own. They're not paying someone else to do it. And, uh, yeah, when St. Jim in, a, in their own hotel room, some of these people bring their own setup. You know, the same thing as a, a turkey fryer. They, they bring in, like, a propane tank and all that stuff, and they'll boil them up and have a little lobster fest. So I think they could probably do without, and I don't think, you know, it probably helps the commercial guys because the commercial guys are really, I guess they're, they're, they're really practiced at, at maintaining the fisheries and making sure they're healthy, where these people that show up for the mini season, they're not, they don't have the same aspirations of having a healthy season after they're done. And the fishermen are thinking, the lobstermen are thinking, well, we just want to be able to get our lobster. And hopefully, hopefully it'll happen. So we have that. So besides that, though, most of the people on the water, the roads aren't uh, that crowded because everyone's down here right now. They're out there grabbing lobster, at least this time. There's other things going on, obviously. But not as a larger population of people doing it. They're just all 
the, the, the mass of people are on the water. So I go down to my spin class today. I'm filling in for somebody. And I had a revelation. <clears throat> the last week and a half that we got these new at the place that I instruct or lead the spin class. We got new equipment, nice new bikes, and they have very detail-oriented monitors that tell you your RPMs, the rate of you're turning the, the wheel on the bike, the amount of resistance you have, it measures directly, the amount of wattage you output, because when you're pedaling, depending on the resistance and the RPM, you're developing power, and that's expressed as wattage. And you can also, they can show the calories that are burned. And it also has distance, which I don't get people having worrying about distance on a stationary bike. I'd worry more about, I'm not worry. I'd be concerned or interested more in things like calorie burn and the amount of power put out. So while I'm doing it, we can have more particular adjustment because of these new bikes on the resistance level. The resistance level goes from nothing, zero, to very, very, you can barely turn the pedals at 100, which not too many people work out at that level. 100, you know, the heaviest you probably, for most people, is probably 65 to 75. And being able to develop the RPMs you need to be safe because you don't want to spend too much time everything. But I'm not going to be talking about spinning. I'm talking about me as an instructor, most of my students are females. And they range in age younger than me, some a couple of years older than me. And I'm relatively fit, or at least I present the image of being fit. And while we're doing it, I started, we had these new bikes, and it's less than two weeks. We're starting to use these qualities and one of the qualities using the resistance level and I ask people to work within a range I give them a range like 20 to 40 40 to uh, 50 and then you know that's the resistance level and what RPMs they should target and I give them that option because everyone has different abilities so I'm in the middle of doing a hard one heaviest and I said what's your resistance level and it turned out earlier in the week or last week a woman says something that's 10 more than me and I go wow really and I had that my instinct was what's wrong with me I'm uh, this woman is is doing more than I am and I could tell by her feet I trust them I trust them implicitly not everyone but i trust this person and i'm not and i trust i trust all of them but i mean some people aren't comfortable saying that and they won't say it but the ones that say it they're saying it i believe they're they're telling the truth so it happened again today i said i gave a range and i figure i'm working out at the top range no one's going to go beyond me because i'm the strongest one there and don't you know someone's up like uh, above me on the on the resistance level, and I'm going, holy crap! And they explained to me later that they were doing it for their heart rate, 
And I was wrapping my head. Why do I have a problem? Why am I taking issue with any of that? Why is my reaction kind of mm, negative? And not that I'm reflecting the negative one. And I realize I'm competing with my students. And I realize I tell people all the time when you're working out, you're not competing against anybody else. You're competing against yourself. And you're working within your abilities. So if you're able to use this resistance level, use that resistance level to go those RPMs. And when you're sprinting, if you can't handle going uh, the, the maximum, go, go 20 below, go 30 below. Do what you can manage because the main goal is to come back another day. And I'm once again, I'm not talking about spin. I'm just talking about the bigger issue of that. It was rather kind of like, I, I never considered myself, I knew I was raised in a different era. I was born in the early 60s. I always thought I was kind of, you know, I'm saying, listen, women can do almost anything a man can do and all that stuff. I believe now women can do anything a man can do. Within reason, when I'm talking about like, at this time, they can't impregnate another person. I mean, they can become pregnant, but you need a man for that. But I'm talking about the real thing. Physically, mentally, women can do a lot. Or if not, and there'll be times when you take a woman, like if a power lifter, I'm sure there's a woman that can probably out there that can probably lift as much as a guy. Size for size. Just the way it is. And I'm not talking enhanced with drugs and stuff like that. I'm just talking about natural. So I'm really coming to believe that now more and more. But there's remnants of that idea that, oh, well, I, I'm supposed to be the top. I'm the instructor. There shouldn't be anybody coming in class and beating me. I'm talking, you know, beating my resistance levels, my RPMs and all that stuff. And then I had to realize, wait a second, some of these people are younger than me. And yes, some of them are stronger than me. And some of them are women. Fortunately, I don't have a lot of guys that come in and do it. Every so often I get a guy that comes in and you can tell this guy works out a lot. And he may be one of his, he may be one of his people that do racing bike stuff. That's not my issue. I'm a coach. I'm a coach. And what a coach does is try to get the most out of the people. It's not the dominant. And the coach doesn't have to be, obviously, the great coaches in football, uh, you know, baseball, or, or managers, whatever you want to call them, they bring the most out of their players. They don't, the coach doesn't have, to, um, doesn't have to be able to throw a football 60 yards. He just tells them a play and how they can achieve that and make sure their fitness level excels. So almost anything, and it's not just fitness. It's not just fitness and strength. It's... Uh, when it comes, if I'm doing trivia and someone has a history background like myself and some, some people's history backgrounds lend themselves more to like ancient history or European history or Far Eastern history. Yeah, I cannot be good at everything. And the things that I'm good at, there's probably someone that's better at it. 
Same thing as podcasting. I just have to realize right now to just let it go and do my thing. And live by the words that I say is the main importance when people come, at least in my class, is that they live the fight another day. Meaning that they work out hard, get a, get value out of the workout, but not so much as that they destroy themselves physically that they won't want to come back. Every so often we have a young person come in. When I say young person, in their teens. And obviously, they come in and they see people ranging in uh, 10 to 50 years, 60 years older than them. I mean, I had people in their late 70s working out hard. And they'll see them doing the routines, making the exertion, and they can't match them. And that's disheartening because they're younger people think, well, you know, old, decrepit, uh, weak. You're going to have to get arrested. No, that's not always the case. It is not always the case. And I'm not saying this to say, uh, you know, to do some bragging on older people. What I'm saying is that when you're comparing yourself to someone else, it kind of restricts you from doing anything sometimes. It makes you give up. Well, at least I've... I've felt it before. It makes you feel as if you should give up. Well, I'm no good at this. This is bullshit. I should try something different. Well, obviously, this isn't that great of you. I don't really like it. Well, when something's challenging, especially working out or learning or any new skill, that doesn't devalue that skill. That can devalue your work ethic and your motivation. So you got to be careful to avoid that. On the a, on a same note, but different thing, I'm having a discussion with one of the people in my class who was doing very well. They did very well, and I hope to have that person's cardio health. And they were telling me, uh, we were having a discussion afterwards. I said, you know, I noticed I'm kind of slightly, there's remnants of sexism in me. And I'm not doing this woke thing. I'm just saying people with ability should be able to do what the people with that same ability. That's not sexism. That's not because if you have the ability to be a foreign exchange trader, your ability to be a, a brain surgeon, be a brain surgeon. That's that's capitalism boiled down to its essence. You have that ability, you can do it. You don't restrict it because they're a man or a woman. Now, should you be surprised by it? No. That's the answer I have now. Don't be surprised by it. So I'm talking to this person how I said, well, I'm still surprised that I am competitive, even though I say it. I feel slightly hypocritical about it because I say these different things. And I kind of, I tattle on myself a lot. You notice, I do it in the podcast. But I do it in person too. I try to own up to it. And I was having a discussion before with another person about, they were telling me, we're saying when you come into a trying person, you come across a trying person, and you come in, you regularly come across that person, you know how to act. 
you know that this person may need a lot of attention and things like that. And they come in and they, um, they were, this person was suggesting when you're in a group and you have a discussion, you see this person, and you say hello. They think that's an invite for them to tell you everything they have going on and interrupt the conversation you're having. And they said, normally this person is very giving, loving, and caring. But when it comes to interaction person to person, person's kind of selfish. And they have to uh, show you things on their phone, whatever, and stuff like that. And as they're saying it, I guess I'm manifesting. I just kept quieter and quieter and quieter. Because my instinct was to interrupt. I do that a lot. I interrupt people. And then I said, you know... I get that. I do that a lot. And they go, and they didn't even think about it. They said, yeah, but you are aware of it and you apologize for it. I said, well, that's a recent development. That's a recent thing I've started doing. You know, on the podcast, when I'm doing these personal journals, I'm just talking on my own. There's no one to over... If I don't interrupt my thoughts there's no one else going to be talking it's just going to be blank air silence so we have these discussions and I think whenever someone mentions something I think what traits when they tell me about things what traits do I share good or bad so I'm talking to one of my students today and they're telling uh, they were telling me how they changed their careers and majorly change. The person younger than me, but still older than you think to be starting a new career and a different career. They went from a financial career to a medical career. I didn't ask why. I just thought, wow. And I said, and they went and they had to go back to school. They got... Some of the credits they had previously were able to be transformed with some of the math and writing and things like that, I imagine. But still, you're going into something pretty much at a time in life where people say you're middle-aged. Going into a bread, and I said, well, that's amazing. And, and we had this discussion saying, she, uh, they said that, when they come across younger people practicing the same new vocation they have, they expected, because of all their experience they had, life experience and things they went through, that they would be exceptional at it, more exceptional, or let's get it right, more able to do the job than a younger person without life experience. And that person said, no, that wasn't the case. That So they were relating, this person was relating to me how when they went into the new field, which I thought was an exceptional, a humble brag. It wasn't a humble brag. It was, I had the same issue too because I assumed someone younger wouldn't have excel or do as well as I am in this field. And I was, and they said, I was, I learned that there's some people that are really suited for it and do it really. And they're not saying they aren't suited for it. I was going to say, listen, you're being able to adapt. It's amazing. And I'm sure there's skills you don't realize you have. And I'm, I, I bet this person is exceptional in their new vocation. I'm sure, I'm sure they are. They seem extremely competent. 
and energetic. And they were talking about these things. I said, wow, that's amazing. And I said, you, someone came across a realization of a preconceived notion that this should not be this way or I should be better at this than that person. And it spans almost everything. And I was listening to this person and I was thinking about all the times I think I should be funnier or trying to attract more attention, trying to outdo someone with a story or relating. And I'm learning now that is not the case. And I know the funniest things I said aren't necessarily set up. It just happens. And some of the stories are just happen. They're not ornate. And they're not told to top someone else's. And as I get back to the conversation I had with the person who changed vocations, I said... Uh, they they were talking about how great life is now and things like that. And I get to this thing where I'm, I go, oh, and they, they, they work out and their, their family works out and they're enjoying what they're doing and things like that. And I've, we have so much more energy. And I said to them, I go, wow, that's great. It's great you realize that. And then you're seeing those things. And um, I said, you know, and I wanted to tell them one thing. I am not intrinsically a fit person. I have to work at it. And when I say work at it, I don't mean working out. I mean work at it, meaning I have to resist my nature. My nature is to do nothing at this point in my life. My nature is to look at things, watch TV, sit on the couch, and that's my nature. I, if I had my choice and if I asked my body, what do you want to do now? I'd say, I want to go and sit in the chair and watch TV. I do not want to go and teach a class. I do not want to go and work out. I do have competing drive. My competing drive is to look good, but I don't have to look great. I'm not in, I want to appear be fit and I, I did have one thing I will wrap up with this is kind of uh, I, I said this about necessarily spin but it could work in anything in life and in spin class you heard me talk about resistance resistance is the, the force that you need to push the pedals and you can increase resistance on these bikes almost all the bikes as a matter of fact I imagine almost any bike be kind of re- any kind of stationary bike that they use for this exercise room. And I said, I've recently come to accept, and it lends itself to life, that everyone has different motivations for doing certain things. And most of those motivations are beneficial to benign. And beneficial to benign, I should even clarify, most of them are beneficial. I could get a class of 20 people, let's say. 15 now, because they get, I don't know if they're increasing the restrictions, but there's 15 people allowed in class. Is For the longest time, I'd see people 
working out super hard, sweating and stuff like that. I don't care about what resistance level and stuff like that. They're working out hard. They're doing it. They're tired and they're continuing. And there's other people that seem to just coast and they have no restriction, no, no, um, resistance on that. And they're just going breezing through the class and just having bouncing and doing all this stuff. And I always get back. I said, this is a work. I'm thinking in my head, my ego is telling me this is a workout class. You're supposed to be sweating. You're supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to be doing that. And then I realized today with the one person telling me, well, I, I turned my resistance higher than you, what you suggested because I have a target heart rate I want to get to. And I wasn't getting there. And they said, that makes complete sense. And I suggest, I said, you could get there by going higher RPM at a lower thing. She goes, no, it's just the higher RPM is the one that does it. And I said, well, you know your body better than anybody else. And then I thought, and it was a new idea. The new idea was other people coming to class that are just breezing through the class. They may just do it for the companionship and camaraderie and listen to music. I used to say some people want to do this regimen and do it for fitness and other people do it for more less than fitness reasons, maybe just for getting out. And then I said, they're both okay. They're both okay. They don't have to be doing what I'm doing. I don't have to be doing what they're doing. Obviously, the lean in class wants some structure. I used to have the person sit in the back of the class and they, they'd have no resistance. They put on their headphones. They're not even listening to me. And they just ride on a bike and spin. And I said, you could do that on any bike. You could just sit in the, the regular class. You're going to listen to music and stuff like that. If you're not going to join in with the class, then you're really not doing the class. Right? You, you're not. You're by yourself. But even that person, you just say, don't worry about that person. They still want to be in a room with people doing the same thing. They may not feel comfortable sitting in the thing. So they go in the back room and they do that. Don't concentrate on that person. Concentrate on people around you and the instructor and all that stuff. It doesn't matter if the person's doing is working out very light or very heavy. They're here for their own reasons. And it doesn't matter if someone's working out hard on you and you're not working out as hard as them. They don't know what you do during the day, night. They don't know whatever. Uh, they don't know what your fitness goals are or things like that. And as I told my friend from the class, I said, my nature is to sit down, but I have other compelling reasons for me to do this. For this to do do this. And part of it right now, I'm very thankful that I learned something new from something that you wouldn't think you'd learn it from that thing. Because almost everything in life, once you start comparing yourself, once I start thinking about the things I say and the things that I say I believe in and the things I think I believe in, and then see that if how I react to the antithesis when the antithesis occurs. Like, I don't care if someone's lifting more weights than me. You know, I see a guy working out with 100-pound uh, uh, dumbbells, and I'm working out with 50-pound dumbbells. And I say, I could go higher. I'm a big guy. Nope. I, I mean, I'm not going to. 
because I have different goals. My goals don't involve destroying my joints, my tendons as I approach this age. I can do something within my ability and I'm going to try to do as best I can. And that's, I'm trying to extend that every place in life. At work, at work, when I'm at my job bartending, I got to think at the end of the night when someone comes in late. I'm balancing. I don't want to tell the kitchen that it's the kitchen closes. I just had someone sit down. They don't want to hear that. A lot of times I'll just say to the owner, I say, listen, can you tell the kitchen to hang on until I get this order? And when they talk to, you know, the owner's talking to them, they, get, they have a choice. I take the heat off me and put it, the owner takes it, which is nice that they do that. But I realize I shouldn't have to do that. I should just say, hey, listen, I got someone to sit down. Yes, they're going to do the order. And stuff like that. I'm sorry, you are almost done. Now we're going to say, but we are a restaurant. Just the way I learned things. I said, I don't have to be pissy at the end of the night either. Because I learned recently that I have to eat. And the more hungry I am, the less resilient I am. What would you call it? Psychologically. Meaning, I'll let small things get to me and piss me off. So yeah, I really enjoy this learning process. Life, we call life. And you learn it from all different things. Uh, you know, whether it's your do what I do, or you work in a, your barista works in a coffee chain, a fireman, air traffic controller. There's all things that occur during the day or opportunities to learn something about ourselves. And that's probably the greatest real thing because you're learning something about someone else. You, know, you, learn, you learn someone's propensity, but you really don't know, do you? You only can know yourself. And even then, it's a great mystery. I'm a great, I think I'm a mystery to myself. I'm a mystery to myself. Uh, if I can't understand me better, how can I ever hope to understand the people, closest people to me? So that's my next endeavor. Uh, I'd like to thank you for listening today. I hope it's there for you if you can get anything out of it. And I will be back again tomorrow. I'll probably be doing a show tomorrow. I'll talk to you later. Have a great day. Oh, and I may, I may do another show because I'm, the, the next one is going to be a little more light, lighthearted. A lot lighthearted. But it's still personal journal. It really happened. It's not a bit. I'll talk to you later. Bye.